for for so there we go you have these moments as a church when you have these days that, that something happens you've been dreaming for for so long and yesterday was one of those days and I look at it as it's just like the first step in us furthering our mission and vision as a church to be a church that makes disciples and that is for Jesus for people and for our city. Yesterday was a crucial component. So if you served yesterday, thank you very much. It was an amazing day. It was amazing weather. Uh, and it was just, it was awesome. So um, I want to let you know one more thing. Uh, November 6th, if you call Renew Church your home, and if you are for sure a partner, but if you call Renew Church your home, we're going to have a meeting after church right here. Uh, and the topic is going to be finances. So we're going to give a financial update, financial report. Uh, so November 6th, if you call Renew Church your home here after church, uh, we'll be doing uh, stuff with kids during that meeting. So if you have kids, uh, you have no excuse because they can stay and hang out. And it won't be that long. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, but uh, let's get into the sermon here. Uh, what's been the phrase that we've heard in almost every letter of Revelation, uh, the letters to the churches in Revelation. What's been the ending phrase? We talked about it last week. What's been the ending phrase that we've heard just about every single week? Right? Every letter to every church, at the end of it, there's this line. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Question, how do you hear God? I just take a mental little like break here. How do you hear from God? It's something that we talk about all the time, right? You, you sing about it all the time. Uh, what are the ways that you hear from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit? It's an interesting thing because we talk about it all the time. We sing about it all the time. We read scripture verses where these people sometimes ironically wait their, much of their life and then they finally hear from God. Like I don't want to paint like hearing from God is necessarily an easy and simple thing. I think there's a reason why after many of Jesus' teachings, his parables, when he tells a story, he ends it with, hey, if you have ears to hear what I'm really saying, great. But I'm going to notice that not everybody has ears to hear the message of what I'm saying. How do we hear from God? What are some of those ways that you hear from God? It's interesting because we talk about it as normative. But what's pretty much the number one thing that I'm talking about in most of my pastoral conversations with people? What's the number one thing that, that this topic constantly revolves on? It's some version of, I don't hear from God. Or how do I hear from God? There is this desperation within us that we want to hear from God. But oftentimes there's some barriers. And so for the next few weeks, 
months, whatever, however long it takes, we're going to go, we're going to begin a series today called How to Hear from God. And we are going to walk through different ways, how do we hear from God, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Kings 19. To kick off this series, I wanted to tell you a story. Uh, this is uh, in 1 Kings 19. It's the prophet Elijah. And in verse uh, chapter 18, Elijah is the prophet that God sends to the nation of Israel to try to turn them back on course. The, the king that Elijah is up against is Ahab. His wife is Jezebel. If you remember from, uh, they are mentioned several times in the letters to the churches in Revelation, right? They are mentioned several times, Ahab, Jezebel, Jezebel specifically, and there's a reason for that. Ahab and Jezebel were the, uh, he was the first uh, Israeli, uh, Israelite king in Jezebel that started to take Israel off course. They started to be distracted from God and started to bring in other gods into their worship. And so Elijah was the prophet that God said, hey, you're my boy. You're going to go confront this and try to turn Israel's hearts back to me. And so Elijah, the big showdown happened on Mount Carmel when Elijah went up against Jezebel's prophets and there was this big showdown. You can read it for yourself, but there was fire, there was water, there was a mountain, and, and a lot of destruction, and, and like it's straight out of an action movie. I wish they would make this into a movie. That'd be awesome. So straight out of an action movie, spoiler alert, Elijah wins, God wins, and then what does Elijah do after this big victory, after seeing God work in miraculous ways, he's up against a bunch of prophets, God shows up, God wins the day, what does Elijah do? Does he stand on the mountain, he's like, yes, God is victorious, no, No, Jezebel goes, you just defeated all my prophets. You made a fool out of the gods that I've tried to bring in and distract Israel with. Now I'm going to kill you. Now you would think Elijah just watched God do this crazy thing. He just watched God be all powerful and show up and win the day. You would think Elijah would be like, yeah, my God's got this too. Don't worry. He wouldn't bring me through all this just to let me down when you're trying to kill me. You're nothing, Jezebel. Don't worry. God's got this. Was that his response? No. He ran. And he was scared. And I think that's normal. (laughs) Right? When someone threatens your life, I would imagine that we would all be a little terrified when it's the queen and the whole army coming after you. And so it says in verse 3, 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I just let that sink in. 
Elijah, man of God, seen, seen God work in amazing ways, now is terrified, runs away with his servant. That's right, Luke. In a crucial moment, he tells his servant, you stay here, I'm going to go alone. Which I would argue was Elijah's first mistake. When you're struggling, when you're depressed, when you're afraid, sometimes the worst thing that we can do, and oftentimes the things that we choose, is to go off alone and try to face it. Elijah does that. He walks a day's journey further and he sits under a tree and he's overcome with anxiety, with worry, with depression and he sits down at the base of this tree and just goes, I'm done. God, I know, I know you are who you are, who you say you are. Like I've seen you do this miracle. I've seen you show up. I've seen how powerful you are. But God, I can't take it anymore. It's over. Please. He's depressed, he's filled with anxiety. He's filled with worry. And I know many of us have felt those same things, right? Many of us have been in that place where maybe we have an accurate picture of who God is, but we still get to this place where we're like, ah, it's just too much. There's too much going on. And the first advice I would give, if you are in that place right now, don't go at it alone. God created us in community for a reason. And sometimes that's to be each other's strength and support. So Elijah's sitting here and and he falls asleep. And this is a beautiful part of the story because angels come and actually minister to him in his depression. In his state of grief, in his state of anxiety, in his state of worry. So remember, church, God doesn't just sit there and go, hey, snap out of it. Maybe you should pray a little more and everything will be better. Time and time again throughout Scripture, it shows us that God meets us in these moments and ministers to us through the pain. This is what happens. An angel comes gives him food, gives him water. Comes back a second time. Says, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate. He's strengthened by the food, and he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. And then he went in a cave to spend the night. And as he's sitting there, an angel comes to him and asks him an important question. Elijah, what are you doing here? which I don't think was a question that the angel genuinely wanted to know the answer. I I think the angel knew why Elijah was there, right? I think God knew why Elijah was there. I think the important part was this question was asked more for Elijah. For him to go, why am I here? What has this journey been like? And what am I looking for?
Elijah replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put prophets and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I think this is such a powerful part of the story. Because the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain. In the presence of the Lord, the Lord is about to pass by. And Elijah goes out and stands on the edge of the mountain. He's like, all right, this is my moment. My God's about to pass by. Then what happens? There was a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. So you got to imagine Elijah sitting there. And first off, he's probably terrified, right? Like a wind that tears the mountains apart and shatters rocks. Like I don't want to be on the edge of the mountain when that happens, right? Right? But I got to imagine Elijah with this history, with this past event where God showed up using nature to win the day. I got to imagine Elijah was expecting that God was going to move in this way again. But what does that next line say? The Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. You ever wonder what God was trying to do with this? Like I do. You hear some of these stories and you're like, what is going on? Why all the dramatics, God? Like, why the, the pyrotechnics? Why, why moving heaven and earth to, to shake the mountains and tear them apart and, and shake the earth? Like, what is all that about? And I'm not entirely sure, right? All I know is Elijah's sitting here desperate to hear from God. He's in a place of depression, anxiety. He's been ministered to by the angels and he's walked this journey 40 days, 40 nights to this mountain and he's sitting there, I'm imagining, just hoping with everything he's got that God would show up. And I imagine he expected God to show up the way that he did before. And I think the lesson that Elijah learned was that God doesn't always show up the same way time and time again. And this time, after all of these, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, the Lord, after the fire, came a gentle whisper. 
When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God was in the whisper. And it was in the whisper that God reminded Elijah who he was and what his mission is. And I just find that fascinating. Because I read this story and I see that maybe Elijah was impressed by hearing God in the big, in the dramatic. But that didn't transform Elijah's heart, right? Like Elijah was still terrified after that. But I think there's a lot of power that God came in the whisper. See, Jesus is often not in the loud. Jesus is often in the whisper. He's in the close. He's in the ordinary. He whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's near. See, the accuser, and there's a lot of other voices in our world that are loud, that will barter for your attention, that will make a lot of noise, that will beep on your phone consistently. There's a lot of other voices in our world that are loud, that will sometimes demand your attention. I think it's interesting because here we see God is near. God is intimate. And God is sitting there with Elijah in the whisper on the side of the mountain going, I got you. Remember who I am. Remember your identity in me. Remember, I'm your source. Remember, you don't have to be afraid. I'm on your side. I've got your back. You don't have to worry. You don't have to let anxiety dominate your mind. I've got your back. I love you. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. Nothing can separate you from my love. There isn't any height nor depth nor width that can separate you from my love. And that's the moment. That changes everything for Elijah. So I have two questions for us. What's your expectation for hearing from God? And then can you hear the whisper? Like, what's your expectation for hearing from God, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit? Think about it. Sometimes, 
I, I think that we get in this mind frame, in this mindset, that we're going about life, and we have a lot of the resources, we have a lot of things that we need, so, so sometimes we can get in this place where we're just cruising through life, we're doing our jobs, we're raising our families, we're, we're doing everything that we need to do, we're, we're working out, we're reading books, we're taking care of our hobbies, we're doing all these things, and it's just kind of on cruise control, right? Like you're just going through life. And maybe for you, if you really think about it, you're going, I don't know if I expect to hear from God on a daily basis. Or maybe you're sitting here in life and you're like, I expect to hear from God at church. Specifically, the third song in the first set, I expect to hear God right then. Like when I'm warmed up in worship and I've had time to like decompress the thoughts and the worries coming in from the day. I've had this time and now third song in the first set, I'm on, God's going to speak to me. Or maybe... You don't really have any expectation to hear from God at all. Or maybe your expectation to hear from God is when you're in trouble. Like when the worry consumes you, when the anxiety consumes you, when when the homework is too much, the tests are too much, the, the family life is too much, the bank account isn't adding up, and that stress is just building, 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 and you need a way out. You need God to come in and rescue you. Maybe that's the time that you expect to hear from God, but realistically, the rest of your week, the rest of your life, you don't really have an expectation to hear from the living God. So that's the first question, right? What is my expectation to hear from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit? If my expectation is that God only shows up when I'm in trouble, then guess what? You're probably maybe only going to hear from him when you're in trouble. When you're crying out because you desperately need him. If your expectation is every day I'm going to wake up and every day I'm going to turn my heart and my mind towards Jesus in some way or another, maybe that's a prayer, laying in bed, just getting up, Jesus, this day is yours. Jesus, I'm looking forward to what you have to do today. Uh, Jesus, let's go. Uh, Maybe it's the devotional time. Maybe it's your Bible reading time, your drive on the way to work. Whatever it is, what happens if every day you wake up and you expect that you are going to hear from Jesus? That you are going to hear from the Holy Spirit. I would imagine you would hear from Jesus more. Right? Because your intention and your awareness is tuned to that. Which leads us to the next question. Do you hear God in the whisper? Honestly, I think this is one of our greatest challenges. As a culture. Because what do you have to do in order to hear God in the whisper? Slow down, right? You have to work to lessen all the other loud voices in your life. One of those might be your own mind. but you have to intentionally, in your life, take moments where you slow 
down. Where you listen. Where you look. Where you become aware of what's going on inside of you. When you become aware of what Jesus is doing in your life. When you become aware of what is happening all around you. Oftentimes, that's the whisper. Where Jesus may not say anything at all, but you know you've heard from him. So for the next few weeks, this is what we're going to explore. I'm going to push you. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to challenge us, and we'll see what Jesus has for us. Amen? Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we want to be a church that hears when you speak. We want to be the people in Scripture that hear your story, that hears your parable and gets it. So Jesus, pray that you transform our hearts and our minds. Tune our hearts and our minds to hear the whisper. In your name, amen.